0: This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun.
1: Whatever you need and can not afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd.
0: And this is The Car Debate. Hello everybody, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast and our eyes are already on 8:50. This is podcast 8:43, which is crazy to say. But remember Amazing. that at the 25 marks we do all questions and we do it live on YouTube which has us thinking about 8.50 because we were looking at that and we were crossing it with the calendar. We realized something. We typically would do that on a Thursday night for a Friday release, but Thursday night we will still be out of town, which makes it hard to do a live podcast in this studio.
1: As a matter of fact, we're going to be at the media days for the LA Auto Show that Thursday, November 16th, 2023. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to put a live stream together from the show or from our travels, we're going to get back home and just do it on Friday the 17th, November 2023. We'll do it that afternoon and, that, uh, that afternoon. And it'll then be great. Probably, hopefully I can have it outputted by that evening. But if not, it'll be Saturday morning. We'll just kind of see where we're at for but now. But we'll we'll keep There'll investigating. There'll be plenty it. of
0: information as we get closer. But we just wanted to put it right out, out there out front that uh, we will be recording that one on a Friday. We hope many of you can join us that Friday evening for a live. It will be on the Test Drive Videos channel. Hmm. Speaking of that channel, that is every Sunday we drop a new piece on there. And this past uh, weekend we did the Chevy Colorado Trail Boss which (laughs) becomes one of my favorite videos of late because (laughs) you went searching for mud and got the car so muddy we had to stop the review. Found it. (laughs) Found the mud
1: and we had to fix it. We had to stop
0: and yeah. solve the fact that the car was as muddy as it was. It will make more sense when you watch it. If you haven't seen it yet, we'd love for you to watch it. Of course, we keep dropping stuff on our original YouTube channel as well. That has a new piece coming this Thursday that is a, it's like a love letter to a road. I can't wait to share it with you. It's it's just, it's you and I showing off, <laughs> Should paint the road. I think, one of the best roads, uh, yeah, the best road I've ever yeah, driven and cool. also just talking about why it's great to drive on a great road
1: and I, that's a really fun piece. Currently going on is the 2023 Japan Mobility Show. This was formerly called the Tokyo Motor Show. And I'm wondering if we're going to see the Toyota FT-SE concept that mm. is sort of like mm-hmm. Toyota revisits the famous MR2.
0: I have to say, on electrics, I am waiting for somebody to make the small, lightweight electric. Because as I have proven with the cars that I own and love, I don't care what it's powered by. I don't need a V8. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to sound a certain way. None of that matters to me. But I kind of need a V8. I know you do. I need a but V8. it needs to be lightweight, and tactile and engaging. And none of those have been concerns of electric cars to this point. And if somebody can crack that code, I will be the first person out there championing,
1: we must buy more of this. I absolutely hope it's coming. According to a recent article in Financial Times, written by Kana Inagaki, Toyota says it is close to being able to manufacture next-generation solid-state batteries Mm. at the same rate as existing batteries for EVs. If successful, they expect its EVs powered by solid-state batteries to have a range of 1,200 kilometers or 745 miles Mm. with a charging time of 10 minutes or less. This is the dream that we're all thinking about that could potentially power. And this is why I like that Toyota's letting themselves go into concept mode for Mm -hmm. the small, lightweight kind of thing. However, producing them in large volumes, they're discovering, is costly and difficult. Of course, ensuring quality Mm. and scaling up the assembly process is quite difficult, which means timetables are consistently pushed back.
0: But let me ask this other weird question that apparently no one is considering. Let's say they've cracked this. Let's say they're eventually Let's say they, really will, ha- but let's say they, they have cracked point. it. they haven't cracked it in volume, but they've cracked yeah. it. and they can do 1,200 kilometers or more than 700 miles on a single charge and the single charge takes 10 minutes. I have a crazy revolutionary idea. Mm. Scale the battery down so that car only gets 200 miles but I can get it back in a minute or two. Isn't that better? It's going to weigh even thought. less. It's going to take me less time than it does at the gas station to charge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The average gas station, I think I heard this one point, is is four to five minutes is the average gas For station your fill stop, up. To stop and actually fill your car with gas. I know mm-hmm. a lot of variables there, but sure. on average. 2 minutes to get 200 miles. Why wouldn't we all do that? Why, why not why? go 5
1: minutes for 300 miles exactly. or 6 this minutes? This is what for I don't understand.
0: Why why is the target continuing to be how much range can we do? If we can bring the charge times down Because of the charge time, because the charge time isn't feasible. But the char- if the charge time is 10 minutes for 700 miles, It has to be less than the stop of a gas station to get half that. Theoretically, it depends on the the ability of
1: that battery to take in power that quickly. And you've
0: then reduced the sheer weight because the battery got smaller, which means you used less of the material. I, I don't understand why nobody seems to be talking about that part of the equation first. The headline remains, this is how far you can go. But we used a ton of that product, whatever the product is, and it takes forever to make them. Okay, it still takes a while to
1: charge. Bring the charge down. I totally hear you. I think that's a luxury that has to be proven out first by some kind of benchmark. Let's just stick with 20 minutes. 20 minutes still seems in this day and age reasonable. For at least for North American charging.
0: You, you stop, you go in, you get a snack, you exactly. go to the bathroom, you come minutes, out. 15, yeah. 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would
1: be ideal and reasonable. But we're still not even there. No, not at all. Let's start with that. And then the luxury of deciding, okay, can we use less materials to get a lighter weight battery? Therefore, that automatically brings our charging times down. Great. Yeah. That That is to be explored. But are we able to do it concurrently? Unknown. Well, it just know, seems just like they've the done fact both. That it's with,
0: difficult to do this now. But with the solid state, it seems they've accomplished both. More distance, less charge time. Mm-hmm. So don't even give me so much distance. Just give me time like time. for every... Thir- no, no, no. no, no. no. <laughs> I just want one mile of glorious fun. It weighs 1,500 pounds <laughs> and it goes two miles and I can get that back in
1: 30 seconds.
0: But that two miles was glorious. It was
1: great. But only 30 seconds. I'm only waiting 30 seconds. No problem. <laughs> Our last piece of business is about SEMA 2023 in Las Vegas. We will be there Wednesday, November 1, 2023. If mm-hmm. you see us cruising around, please say hello. If you think you
0: saw us, you did. That is actually <laughs> exactly. us on that Wednesday, yes.
1: Yeah, but just for, uh, for the day on Wednesday, I'm actually excited for, for SEMA this year. Looking
0: forward to seeing the madness this year. It's yeah. going to be crazy. It's going to be monstrous.
1: Two weeks after that is the F1 Grand Prix of Vegas. So
0: It will already be nuts there. You know It will already be crazy, yeah.
1: When you're cleaning your car after a summer of hard driving, be sure to wash in a cool shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. You can also connect the Boss Foam Cannon to your pressure washer and use Foaming Surface Wash and Polygloss. Griot's has also just introduced the Cordless Foaming Sprayer. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches, which is the safest way to wash your ride.
0: Now, if you need to get bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. Or if you've been tracking your car, track spray removes rubber streaks that always happen. The rubber smears and tire chunks come off really easy as soon as you use the track spray. Griot's offers wash and detail kits which make it easy to get the right products together. Whether you just are doing a starter kit, it's your first time using Griot's, or you're breaking out a foam cannon and you're adding to your collection, Griot's has the right kit for
1: you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, please note there's a new code. Use DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Our topic Tuesday comes to us from Instagram. Bitter Car Guy writes to us a week and a half ago and asks us, how has Porsche ascended to never being questioned or judged?
0: I need to set the stage real quick. Obviously, Paul and I are on opposite sides of the table. We are also on opposite sides of this issue because Paul has deep, deep Porsche love. Uh-huh. However, I do have to give you credit because we're headed somewhere. You can kind of get out of the pool of Porsche long enough to take stock.
1: I can dry off.
0: You you can dry off. Just enough. And some people can't, okay? So I, I have to give you I credit. I totally understand. But I am also a person where, yes, I do own two Cayennes and I do like them and I like a lot of Porsche product. But I am the general Porsche skeptic of the two of us.
1: Well, that's why I liked this question, because we talk about Porsche a lot. Many people on all kinds of podcasts talk about Porsche quite a bit, and it does come up quite frequently in any discussion when you mention fun cars to drive. Bitter Car Guy says, now that the Corvette E-Ray has been revealed, a lot of people get offended at any comparison to the E-Ray to any of the 20-plus Porsche 911 variants. Bitter Car Guy, I don't know of anybody that's been offended about comparisons to the e-ray i mean maybe you're right maybe i'm totally missed that i mean at this point offended but there's
0: offended but there's definitely a porsche fan contingent that goes corvette just doesn't even compare they've always happened with lexus mustangs but the corvette always always gets compared to the 911 and anybody that is a porsche fan instantly discounts it and goes not even possible not, not even doesn't come close.
1: The last part of the uh, the question here from Bitter Car Guy is: When did the 911 ascend to a level where you're attacked for even daring to compare it against another car? Mm. And I don't at all take this personally. I really don't because I know don't. I know what a don't. fascinating yeah, yeah. question. Agreed. And I'm kind of I've been scratching my head, and we've actually delayed on uh, answering this question simply to give us time to think. A case for and against. Mm. and I'm all ears to hear you. I I want you to jump in, and I don't want to respond (laughs) as if I'm refuting you, but I like it because... You do own two Cayennes and have loved driving many 911s or Porsches of all kinds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then over here, you're able to distance yourself and from what you're looking for out of your fun sports car. Not that any car manufacturer has the potential to build those, but you've found what you love. Everybody Mm -hmm. has kind of found what they love, but ultimately we encourage everyone Mm -hmm. to explore. If you already found something, explore other stuff. And so this question about the Corvette, I thought, I've been Beating the drum for the Corvette for a long time now, and it seems like nobody takes us seriously. I'm like,
0: yeah, that's the Corvette fair. is yeah, yeah.
1: every time we drive it, we get out and we like look back. Yeah, that's that's really just a great car. No, it's not the sharpest thing ever, and we kind of mm-hmm. go into the negative. And saying, Mm, well, no, mm -hmm. it's not the greatest handling. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. not the, but man, what a great Mm -hmm. ride quality! And man, what a striking-looking presence on the road! And how comfortable is it? Look at all the space! And you, you turn on track mode, and you do the GM recommended camber settings for track usage. This car is amazing, and it's double wishbone front suspension, Mm -hmm. double wishbone all the way around. Yeah, 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 yeah. And for the price, and you get a 500 horsepower car. Mm. What an amazing car! But yeah it's just a corvette no what an amazing <laughs> it's, it's not just i an feel anything. like no everybody the Hello. Corvettes yes. become really good yes. I, mm-hmm. I have high hopes for the e I'm very excited about the e Ram. I'm very Agreed. excited about the zora i still wonder what the thousand horsepower sports car will will do what do you do with that when i'm already unnecessary in, came and land with 340 horsepower going this thing's really fast. We right. have a 500 horsepower
0: C8 <laughs> that the show has right now and we both are always like, this has borderline too much power. And we're talking <laughs> we're about like, double. This is a lot of power. We're talking about double. Yes. It's craziness. Bitter car guy, I love this question. Paul and I have talked about it behind the scenes a little bit. This also came up a little bit when we talked, when we and he and I were at Rennsport and I'm going to circle back to that a little bit. I 100% agree with you. And I lay a lot of the blame at the feet of car journalists. I want to start one reference place real quickly. And that is Porsche, as a brand, does some of the best engineering of cars being sold right now, full stop, okay? Okay. I can take nothing away from their engineering prowess. Their engineering prowess is at the upper levels of everybody, Mm, okay? mm -hmm, So that's superb. Also, when I think about the Porsche lineup real quick, Boxster, Cayman, Macan, Cayenne, Panamera, Taycan, 911, Mm -hmm. driven them all in all variants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Guess what's common about all of those? I like them all. They're all good cars. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. can't think of another brand Everything they make, I get out of and go, that's really good. So I have to acknowledge the prowess of Porsche as an engineering company and how good all, I do mean all, all of their vehicles are. Okay, okay. Those are two things that can't be denied that are going to lead into a reason why they should have a God status that is perfectly valid. Like, oh, we've got them on a pedestal, Porsche's better Mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. But journalists have done this. Journalists have created this mystique because there is, I feel like there is nothing harder to get into than to be a journalist in a room full of journalists and not think Porsche is the best thing ever, or to bring up another brand. That's true. And I'm going to give you a weird example. In the early 2000s, Chris Harris, the god of sideways, okay, (laughs) he (laughs) called out Ferrari for their tactics in testing. Yes, he did. And Ferrari got angry. But And they banned him for a while, even though he owned Ferraris, and he still owned Ferraris, and of course, eventually he's back in the fold because he's Chris Harris. But he called out the fact that they were setting up cars different than stock for factory, for, for testing. They were one kind for of, handling, one for straight line they were, they speed. They were stacking were the deck on yeah. any comparison. Yeah, they were doing that. a lot of underhanded things to make their cars better than they really were. And their cars, in many cases, weren't built that great. And Chris went, hang on, full stop. What's going on here?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And Ferrari freaked out. But the unreachable nature of Ferrari... Meant two things. The average person can't buy one anyway, so the average person got to go, yeah, Ferraris are terrible, but the guys that could still buy them didn't care. So it didn't matter. True. But what's interesting about Porsche is Porsche has always had this everyman supercar mystique. Yes. So people that can't ever afford a Ferrari or don't think they could because they're a quarter million dollars and up might one day be able to afford a Porsche. So it has remained aspirational on a level that Ferrari and a lot of the supercars never will have. Okay. So that has contributed. And then there's the 911. It's completely unique. Nobody else is doing a rear-engined car. Yeah, true. And if we want to just think about this from an engineering perspective, and I am not an engineer, but I understand this much, that's a bad idea. That's the wrong place <laughs> to put that engine. Okay? I mean, let's just all zoom out and go, hmm, "That's not good planning, is it?" <laughs> is what are we doing, doing that? But
1: you but, contrarians you, it is a
0: triumph of engineering. Yes. Because they have defiantly made that car for 60 years. There is no other car maker with a weird unique setup that they have refined for 60 years.
1: Corvettes have even changed now.
0: Well, and Corvettes changed with every generation. They changed a little bit. They, were they do. Essentially but, but now there's been the Cor- huge change. Yes. Huge. So Porsche has taken this strange oddball idea, and they have, under sheer force of will, money, and engineering, made it more and more brilliant over time. They tried to throw it out for the 928, and then everybody revolted. Yes. So that is the thing, that the 911 is this in the unique spa- space. And among journalists and enthusiasts, there's a really interesting thing that happens with the 911. If you speak badly about the 9-11, I will probably get letters. And I'm certainly going to get an interesting conversation the next time you and I are at a press launch (laughs) with a bunch of other journalists. Yes, But you aren't supposed to critique it. And if you do critique the 9-11, you either don't get it, or more importantly, the one that really goes to the kidney shot, you don't know how to drive it.
1: Now, the 9-11
0: used to be squirrely. You and I... Squirrely is being nice. You and I have driven more 9-11s than most journalists or enthusiasts out there. Yes. With yeah. 50 years of 9 11 and the other options we've had down at the Nürburgring and Spa, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we have driven a lot of variants of 9 11 quickly in actual, like, uncontrolled conditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. So you and I have driven them. By the way, we haven't wrecked one. I mean, we might, but we haven't wrecked one either. <laughs> Ideally. Okay. So not, we've driven them quickly, yes. we've driven them on track, yeah. we have not yeah. wrecked one. But the thinking is well, the 911 takes it takes different driving. Chris Harris likes it so much because they slide wonderfully. Mm-hmm. If you're ready for it,
1: yeah, true.
0: If you're not ready for it, there is that time that you and I found that flat six license plate crumpled at the outside right. of a, outside of a hairpin because somebody clearly lost the back end and went back in first and ripped the license plate off the back of their old
1: 911. And we're so embarrassed they drove away. Yes, left
0: the license plate left in the, the, the license dirt. Plate. Yes, I they still did. have it. I know you do. It's awesome. But the thing is, light front end. I'm talking classic 911s now. Light, yeah, yeah. really light front end. No power steering. Weight in the rear. That doesn't drive like anything else. True. Be careful. But if you get it right, now you're a specialist. It's a satisfying feeling. It's a satisfying feeling. I drove someone else's 911 around an airport once. It felt wonderful. Getting it sideways in somebody else's car. And I realized if this goes wrong, it's going to go spectacularly wrong with me and a hangar full of aircraft.
1: You were on a... a Runway or tarmac full yes. of other aircraft. Parked too. aircraft and the guy the that ramp. Was,
0: The guy that let me drive it, he drove it first and then I drove it differently than he did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, yeah. And, and please don't misunderstand me. I am not claiming some driving prowess. But what I am saying here is you don't got plenty of experience to get mm. to the nine yeah, eleven. Yeah. But if you critique it, it's cause you don't know how to drive it. Uh, interesting. And people wear a nine eleven ownership as this badge of honor. It is ingrained in people's reason for being if they have a 9-11
1: <laughs> huh
0: it is it, i feel like the people that i know that have them it's part of their makeup as a person i have a nine eleven. i get 9-11s i wouldn't have a boxer i wouldn't have a cayman i, I 9-11s and so it's been elevated huh. further because journalists want to be in the in crowd they want to believe that they're good drivers The nine eleven journalist wants to. Believe yes they're a good the driver. 9-11 yeah. is a squirrely, difficult to drive car with an amazing his- history yeah, in racing and everywhere else. Yeah, and then you have the enthusiast who lionized the air cooled 911. Let's jump 90s. I'm going to jump real fast. 90s up through early 2000s. The air cooled 911 gets killed. The people that only ever won an air cooled 911 start to lionize this car and start to they start to gain in value because there'll never be another one, right? Journalists in the early 2000s start to lionize the 911 for similar reasons. Okay. And so you build up by 2005, 2010, there is this convergence where the guys that love the air cooled have made those values skyrocket inexplicably. And the journalists all want to be in 911s and all want to be in Porsche. And give me a minute, I'm going to come back to Porsche corporate with relation to journalists. And now enthusiasts with the internet are like, huh, 911s must be the best thing ever. Porsche must be the best thing ever. So this has
1: all compounded. So you're saying these are signals being sent. Oh, absolutely. By by doing all this, these are signals to the general public, the car enthusiasts. I'll go you one further.
0: Porsche has a lot, and this is where the journalist related, forget the 911, journalist and Porsche now, specifically. Okay. Okay. And I saw evidence of this at Sport. Porsche has a lot of very famous drivers in their history. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of very successful, interesting racing stories in their history. Which make for these famous drivers. For sure. They also have a lot of celebrities that have driven 911s, or have driven 911s currently, Patrick Dempsey's a great example, people that are celebrities that are also known to be good drivers. True. I'm trying to think True. of another brand where there are celebrities, not that just bought it, but celebrities that are known to be hot shoes that bought brand X. Paul Newman's the only one I can think of. Nissan and Paul Newman are like peanut butter and jelly. That's about the only, that's a great one. That's a really good one. But my point here is, you've got Porsche and 911s, Porsche and celebrities. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. journalists, here's the thing you have to know about journalists. We believe two things about each other. We believe that we are some level of celebrity and we believe we are driving gods. <laughs> That's true. That's so, so true. Journalists want to be where the driving gods and celebrities are. Where is that? Porsche. Where is that specifically? Rensport. Okay. So all of this converges to the point that we have actually seen direct evidence of journalists stabbing other journalists in the back to get to Porsche events. Now, Porsche throws some nice events. They do. They, they throw do. some great events. And as we've already talked about, they have good cars. But we have actually seen, I'm pulling back the curtain. I'm not supposed to tell you any of this. You want to know what the jewel in the crown is for a car journalists? You're getting invited to Porsche events. Yeah. Yeah. Take any other brand. Doesn't matter. You're getting invited to the Porsche events.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: And I felt this at Sport, and I'll be honest, I felt a little icky. Okay. 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 You, you loved it. I loved it. But I I was seeing everything we're talking about on display. I'm not saying that Rensport wasn't cool. It was very cool. And it was very high end because it was a Porsche event. And they had everything there. It was definitely like the grand Porsche throwdown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I was watching it with journalists. And I was watching it with attendees. And I was just going, we've just created an I'm here and you're not culture for the everyman. The I'm here and you're not culture exists for the folks in yachts on Mon- in Monaco and in their golf Right, in their which Gulf is streams.
1: antithetical to what I love about Porsche, where I discovered them.
0: But I Porsche has, has gained this mystique now of the everyman can get into the Porsche club and then you get it. Mm-hmm. Nobody else really gets it. But all of us here, we get it. There's a celebrity over there, and there's a journalist you know over there, <laughs> and the journalists want to be with the celebrities yeah, so badly. I, they want to believe yeah. they drive as well as the celebrities. Owning a Porsche doesn't make you interesting. No,
1: not Porsches are good.
0: Porsches can be interesting. Owning a Porsche did not make you interesting, sir or madam. Or any car. No, right. owning a 911 and driving a 911 doesn't mean you're a good driver. In fact, True. modern 911s, not hard to drive. True. Modern 911s, not hard to drive really hard. Old 911s, scary. <laughs> Modern 911 <laughs> yeah. driven hard? Like, yeah, and? True, Okay, true. I, I hate to say, you and I have talked about this. Volkswagen used to be fascinating little burbly, interesting, weird, offbeat cars, and they've engineered all of that out of their lineup. And their cars are fine now. But there's
1: nothing- Are they fine? Int- are but they fine? No, my,
0: my point here is there's nothing interesting or bubbly about the Volkswagen lineup. No. Since Porsche has merged with Volkswagen, Porsche is headed down that route. And my suspicion is they're 20 years behind Volkswagen. Mm. Porsche's now are less interesting to drive than they were 20 years ago now that doesn't mean they aren't faster better built better more luxurious all of those things are true but they're becoming less oddball interesting than they used to be Mm. and that feels like it's following the trajectory of Volkswagen so many times I meet people that Porsche defines them and we've met a lot of car collectors who buy other things and then just buy Porsches now again incredibly well-designed, incredibly well-engineered. I like everything in their lineup, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there's other stuff out there. Just because something is the best engineered doesn't mean it's the most fun. It also doesn't mean it's the best. I learned this the hard way with movies. Hmm. You know how I love to talk about movies-related everything, but I got stuck for a while on why is it possible that the movie with a bad script was any fun to watch? It started to like... (laughs) Mm -hmm, Bother me. Why? Why? The script was terrible. And and I started to have to disconnect myself and be like, yeah, but it was fun.
1: Whether or not the storyline
0: made sense or it was was well executed or well acted or technically from an engineering, a screenplay perspective, it wasn't good. But it was fun. Cars can be like that. Cars can be less well engineered and more fun than the thing that is pristine in its engineering. Some car journalists have engineering backgrounds and engineering understandings. And many of those guys are far smarter than me, okay? But that's not most car journalists. Most car journalists have a journalism degree. Many don't. <laughs> some don't, <laughs> and you and I don't. But, but we don't, So no. some just have, they're good at writing. And there's nothing wrong with that because I like guys that are good storytellers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some people that are really good at engineering aren't good writers. Journalists, besides believing they are the best drivers and minor celebrities, also want to believe they're engineers. And so we get hung up as journalists on, but if it's not the best engineered, well, then it couldn't be fun. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, they cheaped out on that part, Mm -hmm. but have you driven this? Mm Because it's great. And Porsche is over-engineering everything as well. So see, they're checking every single box for journalists to believe they are gods. And then the journalists are the mouthpieces for all of us to have a reason why we think a car is good or bad. And it is very difficult to find any journalist who will ever say anything bad about Porsche because Porsche does make good product and they threw really nice events and that journalist would like to go on another Porsche event. Interesting. I thought
1: you also were going to touch on Hollywood, just buying 911s oh, for, yes, the, forever. for the sake forever, of forever, 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 forever. perception.
0: Range Rovers and 911s. Yeah. That you come out to Hollywood and you're beat down Civic. When you step up, you bought a BMW, probably a 3 Series. But when you step up again, you buy either, depending upon if it's a family car or not, 911 or Range Rover.
1: Your sophomore album was a success. Seriously. Your second movie was a It's a, a, big a 911 hit. or a Range Rover. Box office and success. And, 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 and that
0: has also been further perpetuated. Talk to any random person who doesn't know cars very well. If they could get a sports car, what would they buy? I bet you more than 50% of the answers would be Porsche 911. Hmm. Because it's just ingrained in culture that that's an excellent choice of sports car. I have no idea how to drive. I don't know anything about cars. I'm never going to drive it fast. I'm only going to commute in it. But 911s are supposed to be great. Hmm. And you know what? They are. All of the outlets are telling you that Porsche beats all. While they make good cars and are well-engineered, but I'm also going there are a lot of other brands out there, a lot of other places to be fun. Interesting. I don't know that I've solved anything, but I do feel, you, and you and I have discussed this, Porsche has avoided the Ferrari problem. Yes. Porsche has yes. fed their story to all of the journalists, and all of the journalists have gone, yep. Okay. And Ferrari was feeding, that's why I started with Chris Harris. Ferrari was feeding a story to journalists, and finally Chris Harris stood up and went, wait, wait, what now? <laughs> and Porsche so far has not had a misstep that has made journalists at large go, that is right, they do do that. <laughs> to a person, I have not met a journalist who would not own a 911. And newsflash, I wouldn't. <laughs> They're great. It's just I would get so far down my list of cars before nine eleven would be the the top pick. I don't know that I'd get there. Now I'm not Jay Leno. If I bought fifty cars, one of them be a nine eleven. Sure, but I'll probably own three or four at a time ever in my lifetime. And at that point, the list is too long before I got there.
1: Huh? I'd get to Boxster or Cayman first. Sure. Nine eleven. Sure. As good as they are, down the list, all good points. Very excellent points. And by the way, they avoided the Ferrari problem because they did start putting manuals back in more cars. True, that helped. To try to avoid, Mm -hmm. and they really went after the whole markup discussion, even Mm -hmm. though the cars still are, unfortunately, but trying to put more manuals so they're not such rare, don't ever drive them because not driving a Porsche is antithetical to the whole brand. That
0: is one thing that they do that's different. The other thing that they do that's different is that they have encouraged comparisons. This is something industry-wide now. Mm -hmm. If you make a car, the last thing you want to have happen is it be compared with a car that is cheaper than yours. Typically doesn't happen with Porsches. You and I put a a GR86 against a Cayman, but separate thing. Mm -hmm. Typically Mm -hmm. doesn't happen with Porsches. Generally what happens with Porsches, because of the stats of what those cars can accomplish... They get put with supercars that cost fifty percent to double what they cost. Yes. So Porsche is perfectly yes. happy for you to compare my, our exactly. nine eleven to the new Ferrari or McLaren, whatever, because it was more expensive. But the problem is Porsche is actually losing ground on that fight. All of the in demand Porsches, they may list price for one hundred and fifty two hundred grand, but the way you'll get them, you could have bought a Ferrari or a McLaren or whatever. Hmm. They're getting to that place now where with the, the really hot Porsche stuff is as expensive as anything else you'd want to buy. That's a dangerous place for them to be because traditionally it was like, compare us because you'll never get anything else for this. Oh, wait, that's the same money now, isn't it? All right, I'm going to jump
1: in here, bitter car guy. (laughs) I am going to approach this. I'm ranting, I'm sorry. No, I'm going to approach this with uh, the mindset, despite my appreciation and love for Porsche, I am going to do my best to not come across as biased, and I've gone after Porsche as a brand that affects 911 sales, even though we're talking about the brand at large, you mm-hmm. know, all sure, the cars that they've sure. developed. You're asking specifically 911s, but I think the Porsche love bleeds over now to all their models. Absolutely, it's not just about the 911 anymore. So I'm going to kind of talk half and half, 911 a little bit, but also the brand itself. And that is starting out. Todd touched on a lot of these uh, these points: racing and racing history, mm-hmm. competition. I think absolutely improves the breed for any car company. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. But winning Le Mans 19 times, I mean... (laughs) You're right. That's impressive and hard to to shake a stick at. Porsche is always seemingly to develop every model with motorsports in mind, whether you're into cars... Or not, mm, that mm. affects your outlook on the car and the engineering that goes into it. You're absolutely right. The engineering itself. There's always some sort of motorsports focused variant. And there isn't mm. a Porsche model variant that isn't focused on its derivation from motorsports. Mm, interesting. Okay. There's always up to the GTS, up to beyond that. Mm-hmm. There's always some, well, this is more closely related to motorsports. Therefore, it's going to be at an even higher level of mm, driving mm. performance. And that's the whole point of Porsches is to drive. They're aspirational. You talked about the attainable and aspirational nature. And I think introducing the Boxster and the Cayman really helped to solidify the perception that Porsche had an entry-level model that was more financially accessible, mm. despite their prices now rising to much higher levels. But it's not a 911, Paul. Sorry. Right. <laughs> that's why the base 911 exists. That's a very good point. Which is now 100 grand, by the way. These are not entry-level. They're still aspirational, but they're the most direct link between what normal people can get to what the really wealthy can buy.
0: Mm -hmm. And the really wealthy
1: aren't necessarily buying Porsches. I mean, they are, but beyond that, you're looking ahead at all these other brands out there.
0: Yeah, you're you're right.
1: So now looking at that other side, say you are really wealthy. Porsches do not necessarily come up in conversation when you're really wealthy and you're interested in buying a high-end car. Porsches just aren't considered by Ferrari owners or buyers of Bugattis, Paganis, Koenigsegg, McLaren, Maserati, Pininfarina, Lamborghini. Generally speaking, Porsches, from that perspective, are for most people when you're a Bugatti Mm. buyer. Interesting, yeah. But then they're still so good to drive and they stack up so well against the higher-end brands, they're allowed a lot of respect.
0: Yes, you can show up in a Porsche at a hypercar event
1: and they're not embarrassed that you're there because of what that performance can do. I read a few You're years right. ago You're right. a well-respected publication did 50 hard launches in a row mm-hmm. with a new Turbo S. Mm-hmm. They did launch control and did 50 of them in a row. Yep. The car was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Will all cars be able to do that? Few <sighs> if any. Few if any, yeah. I agree. So now they seem like this undiscovered bargain when a Turbo S can hang with or beat most of the supercars and those brands listed. Mm, But mm. the evolution from a simple sports car back in the 60s to one that can outperform most supercars for less money is impressive. Agreed. The 911 leads the way in that. Touching on customization, Porsche is still among the most accessible company to be able to customize your car so you can have yours it is it is yours <laughs> and we're not even talking about the sonderwoosh the special yes. wishes yes that's the very high end of things for you're still just not satisfied for inexplicable reasons uh, there, there were layers of, of <laughs> sonderwoosh that was the thing i was amazed by we went into the yes. pavilion at
0: Rensport and i was amazed by i was amazed by this is how how podunk <laughs> amazed i am by apparently. everything i know this is how podunk i am because i was amazed by the first level up which is the fact that paint-to-sample is now available to everybody. And it's
1: on the website. I was, paint amazed, to sample I was website. amazed
0: that paint-to-sample is now available on your, your. just look it up on your browser. I'd like to do paint-to-sample this weird color. Yeah. That amazes me. Yes. I am I am so plebeian. <laughs> There's so many steps beyond. <laughs> it was and news to me too. I agree. Was, the, the level that amazing. they have that is literally, I forget what they call it, but they have a level that is literally the one-off level. <laughs> Porsche has been unable to satisfy your specific needs through three more steps beyond paint to sample. And now you are going to spend a year and $100,000 with Porsche designers to figure out your perfect
1: one-off. Which is amazing and Um, um, amazing, truly amazing and also insane. It's insane. It is equal parts both. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. My point is most of these car companies that I listed, the high end brands, they can do that too. Yeah. They will happily take your money. You can go to Ferrari and say, I'm Mm -hmm. your longtime customer and I want to do all this. I
0: am chic. Come into this back room
1: and we'll Mm -hmm. decide on all the colors and we'll bring out the books of leathers and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. But Porsche at the kind of the base ish level, even though that's the wrong term for it on the website, you can configure something. It costs more, but it's still mine. That's a unique combination Mm -hmm. that nobody else can choose. And that's just off the website. (laughs) I don't even have to go to the special wishes end of things. I can just do paint a sample in that color with those wheels and this trim level and that stitching and these belts. And that's like, that's my car. That's, that's you me.
0: be it Cars and Coffee with your one of one poster that explains why this. Totally. Car. And, and when you try to sell it later, it'll be in the description. Trying to rope people in. One of one. No, please listen mm-hmm. to me talk. Yeah.
1: Now, this is as high a performance as you can buy, the 911s, without being exotic. Despite their price tag, do we consider 911s to be exotics? Hmm. No. Generally not. I don't that's think so. Play. The 918 Spyder, yes. Sure. The Carrera GT, the 959, and the newly revealed Mission X. Whatever form mm-hmm. that car mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. in in the future, that's the high-end stuff. That's the really crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. But it's just a 911. That's not an exotic. That means I can kind of relate to it mm-hmm. still. You're right. You You're also right. touched on the rear engine configuration, the last company to continue doing this. this. Mid-engine boxers and Caymans have an exotic architecture without an exotic price tag. I can get as close to a mid-engine Ferrari, and well, it's not mid-engine Ferrari cost. Mm -hmm. I can get a mid-engine car?
0: And also, That's I will say cool. this, Porsche's victory with that platform is it is the the most docile mid-engine platform on the planet. All the places where a mid-engine might bite you or you need to learn to drive it, the Boxster came in and like, sure, yes. be a bonehead, I'll be fine. Yes, but an addendum to that, that does not mean it's not fun. Not at all, no. But I think the problem is that, <laughs> and you've talked about this a little bit in your GTS, Porsches are getting that place where you need to be above 80. <laughs> okay, I mean miles an at, hour. At, yeah. Exactly. At, yeah, yeah. at thirty, it's it's a very nice place to be. Uh-huh. At yeah. sixty or eighty, you start going.
1: huh oh, now wait. There's something There's another layer That's here. That's what I love about them. Okay. Right. So Something so deep in the car, you can taste that experience without a crazy price tag. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Now let's talk about components and engineering and things like IMS bearings. Even though the more research I do on the IMS bearing, the more blown out of proportion I've decided that it is. Mm-hmm. The M ninety six engines. Yes, when we went to the water cooled engines. The bearings relied on their own grease. They were not oil-fed. Yes, there were problems. But the amount of problems was far less than the internet would like you to believe. The internet wasn't right? Wait, (laughs) I need a minute. Really? Huh. (laughs) No. The internet. Okay, onward. The M97 issue, those engines also were low out of proportion, those were actually castings, not necessarily the IMS bearing. Mm-hmm. But then because of the passion for Porsche, there's so many companies that have a solve that is actually not that expensive to keep these cars running. Speaking of engineering, look up Porsche Engineering Services. Mm-hmm. This is a separate mm-hmm. engineering services provider for future-oriented mobility, but they also do anything else as engineering services for hire. Mm-hmm. They're doing things like hospital beds and barbecues and forklifts and airplane cockpits and the V2 engine for the Harley-Davidson V-Rod back from 2002. That's interesting. What Mm -hmm. are their car companies investing in their engineering services to provide this high level in other things? Lotus is, though. Lotus is, yeah. That's cool. Interesting that you went there because I was thinking it. You went there. Good job. They actually subbed out all their
0: their Mm -hmm. engineering expertise. That uh, C4... ZR1 Corvette you like?
1: Yes. It's a Lotus engine. Lotus engine. Pretty fascinating. Now, Rensport taught us about longevity, and it was fun to learn about a company so invested in all of their old cars and wanting to keep them on the road and supported with parts and services Mm -hmm. and engineering Mm -hmm. and expertise for all of these old cars.
0: That was truly amazing. Which
1: keeps the value high. Yes. Then there's the Porsche design products. An entirely separate business this is not porsche engineering this is porsche design mm-hmm. they've partnered with other great brands to produce high quality stylish products rather than just logos printed on inexpensive or expensive promotional products <laughs> like you know versace shirts and you know, this kind of, they design their own products. I have to tell the bike story. Can I tell my bike
0: story You real can quick? tell your bike story. I just bought a brand new mountain bike from a local company that is a direct-to-consumer <laughs> oh, company. Yes, yes. And the company's name is Fizzari, which is a terribly awkward name. It is the word Ferrari with two Zs in the middle. Okay? <laughs> so I went ahead. I did this. I am a child. I went ahead and bought Ferrari Shields. The Scooteria I have shields. put Ferrari shields on the sides of my mountain bike. Not blocking the logo, just near the logo. <laughs> the logo is kind of like dark and you kind of got to look for it. And I, I'll i never know this. I'll never know this is going to happen. But I, I mount that on the back of my used Cayenne with pride because I am hoping that at some point, unbeknownst to me, somebody is going to be driving along behind me and see that bike on the back of a Porsche and be like, of course Ferrari makes mountain bikes. And of course somebody in Park City has one. <laughs> My Fazari mountain bike, which, by the way, I bought because it was surprisingly affordable. Fazari. Anyway,
1: yes. Love it. All right, moving on, a few more uh, little line items here. The Porsche Experience Center. Even though this sounds minor, Porsche has built experience centers all over the world, Mm -hmm. which is an invitation. No, no, no. It's a clarion call to come drive our cars and learn about the brand and experience everything that we know about mm-hmm. Porsche. Mm-hmm. You feel you feel history when you drive these things. You feel breeding and engineering. Mm-hmm. Now, from what, what I understand, is the head of design, Michael Maurer, is now t- talking about Chinese startups forcing German styling to being more daring. And I mm. couldn't agree more. Mm. Although, just doing it for one market segment is the wrong move. Mm. But Porsches in general need to be sexier and more voluptuous and kind of have some more emotion to them. I feel like... I see too many Volkswagen-esque surfaces in the front clip of the new Cayman GTS 4.0. Mm, mm. I like mine way better. There's more emotion. There's a more sensual look to it of any brand that can do that and get away with it. Let's have Porsche do that. It's
0: mm, it, good. It
1: doesn't need to be quite so tidy and buttoned down and let's take some meat out of the surface and make it flatter and thinner. No, no, no. Let's have mm, some that's voluptuous, that's what the early Porsches were all about due to the manufacturing restrictions, really. Sure,
0: look at the the 550 Spider. it's a
1: gorgeous yes, little thing. A it's A lot of their early beautiful. stuff is gorgeous. Let's look to those and let's push that further, mm-hmm. use that as a, maybe a starting place, not a retro, but an inspiration, and push it further from there. And then finally, it's the people. Mm. It always seems like the nicest people are Porsche owners and kind of want to share it with you and want you to drive their car. I don't get that from the Ferrari crowd. Now, you have hit on an
0: interesting point. Because Porsche owners tend to, not always, tend to drive their cars, they tend to be more open than most any other expensive car owner of wanting other people to drive them.
1: There's nice people in There's all, a, There are exceptions clubs, are there's everywhere. There's nice
0: people everywhere. But a lot of times the super exotics don't get driven. Mm-hmm. Now I have found to, to, to the point you just made, I have found some people that drive very expensive cars a lot, they want to be generous as well. True. But the True. key Exceptions reality every is, rule. Yes. But the key reality is Porsche does encourage driving. They do encourage support of their cars to keep being driven and we'll give you old parts, not give you, but we'll make them, and mm-hmm. you can pay a lot for them. And, and, sure. but, but then that does lead to people who have been like, oh, have you never driven one of these? You really ought to. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is something that you see for it sure. It just
1: generates, it seems to perpetuate friendships. Mm. I and see that. More driving in clubs. I mean, the PCA club is en- enormous. They're yes. huge. They've been yes. around since the mid-50s, I think, 55, somewhere in there. All of these add up. I like both of our points. It's amazing. Whether it's a positive or a negative point, we're still talking about this company that has done all of this. You're right. Yes, there's other companies. Corvette has their long time history. Mustang has a long time history. I'm very curious and eager to drive the new Mustang Mm -hmm. and really evaluate that. But, you know, even that is sort of like, well, I'm not sure. Will Mustangs always be around? It's changing. Whereas it seems like for every new model or every iteration that... Everything we've identified about Porsche here is still a through line. There's still a bloodline there. They
0: want their, they want themselves to be a motorsports brand. Yeah. That's very true. Even when you, if you're buying a Cayenne or a Taycan, they're mm-hmm. concerned about the motorsports aspect. And you, you know what? The Porsche Experience Center reminds me. You remember there was a time, I think it was early 2000s, when the, uh, the craziest car dealer in your town was always the Range Rover dealer because they had the weird scaffolding because they yeah. had the place you could right, climb. Right. And the thing they didn't tell you is that if you drove in a Tacoma, you could probably do that course as well or better than the Range Rover, but Toyota didn't have that fun course for you to drive over in the Toyota Mm -hmm. lot. Range Rover had it. The Porsche Experience Center is that writ large. Sure. Because you could take a lot of sports cars and have a lot of fun at the Porsche Experience Center, but Porsche has built you a playground for their vehicles. It is a fantastic sales tactic, and it is also, beyond that, it is a place that the average person can not only drive Porsches, but become a better driver, and that is utterly unique. Yes
1: absolutely and i have to be impressed by that you pay for it yeah but still you yes you do still come and work on something they're pro drivers come mm-hmm. how can yeah, we yeah. instruct you we just happen to be in porsches and so you get to learn how to mm-hmm. drive mm-hmm. the car and execute these maneuvers correctly whether you're off-road whether you're on a track but they've built specific locations which opens back up the accessibility mm-hmm. it it still mm-hmm. okay. is now that okay. invitation again even though the prices have changed and gone up what other car companies, sports car, off-road companies now building dedicated areas? It's a true, center. True. Yeah, it's yeah. a campus.
0: You're right. It is. A camp- come it's drive like our stuff. The Porsche College. Come on down. It is. local college. With,
1: and anybody can come. That's mm-hmm. what I love about it. I see it.
0: I see it. I mean, we're, we're talking both sides of this. I will probably be barred from many future journalist activities.
1: But, uh, but yeah, no. we're, we're speaking both sides. If you've got a topic Tuesday like this, this one went pretty long. There's a bit of ranting. <laughs> right yes, to us, uh-huh. everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. I don't know how much time we'll have for questions at the end, but we definitely need to do this debate from mm-hmm. Tim in Pennsylvania who is preparing for the death of his Volt. Mm, I see that. He has a 2013 Chevy
0: Volt. That is late in the first, uh, actually it may not be that late. It act, It is the first gen Volt, which we've driven. And you know what? The Volt is underappreciated. He said he's struggling in his search to find a vehicle to replace it. His mileage is now over 130,000 miles. His three sons, 14,
1: 11, and 9, are quickly running out of legroom. Wow. Well, Tim has owned this car for eight years. It's been the most reliable vehicle he's ever owned. Mm. Still has original factory front brakes. Are you, do you like ease into the brakes? Regen brakes? is oh. his friend. Yeah, man. That's is. impressive. All right. Well, he says after 600 episodes of listening, he figured it's time to ask the voices he trusts most. Um, who are those guys? <laughs> yeah, who? <laughs> Thanks for being with us, man. That's really cool. Tim says his Volt still feels dynamic as much as an 11-year-old electric vehicle can be. Okay. It still provides him with fun on back mountain roads of the Northeast. Spring, summer, and fall seasons with a good set of summers. is fantastic in the snow with good winter tires. No squeaks, no rattles, no vibrations. It feels as good as it did when he first bought it. That is a ringing endorsement of wow. that car. He's continually been doing his homework. Good job, Tim. Excellent. Well done. He's, <laughs> He's trying to find his replacement. <laughs> He's constantly
0: shopping. He's, that's He's like, I never, look, I'm just shopping for shopping, which of course you are.
1: He says after working for nearly a decade managing a dealership service department, he has had a career change. He now works remotely from his house. Hmm. And his boy's sports habits have him traveling all over eastern and central Pennsylvania for soccer, for early morning and late night flights in and out of Philadelphia. He says that's about two and a half hours away. He's not impressed with the options for charging EVs as of now on his major travel routes. Interesting, okay. But he also owns a business. He said on the side he uses his Volt 4. The Volt's hatchback has been incredible for swallowing up immense amount of detailing tools and supplies for running his mobile side hustle. I hope you're using Griot's garage products. We do,
0: for sure, yes.
1: Those are the ones you want. Mm -hmm. His wife's vehicle is their family truckster, a 2019 pilot touring all-wheel drive and when they've got to take the whole family that's what they take okay he prefers to stay with electric he likes the silent ride the minimal maintenance and the reliability to be the big appeals but he's not committed to electric because he lives in a rural area and dc fast charging is not super common he also thinks most evs have a much shorter lifespan Hmm. and he enjoys owning a great vehicle for a long period of time so he can fund his other hobbies like a Triumph Speed Triple. Mm-hmm. He's a bike guy. His heart swoons at the thought of returning to a manual transmission, but he's not limited to it. He sends us a list of prior vehicles, including yep. a Cavalier RS V6 manual. Mm. Ooh, you had a Lincoln Mark 8. Eight, yes. Volkswagen Jetta VR6. Multiple VR6. Jeeps. <laughs> yeah. That was such a great idea.
0: It's interesting. The isn't VR6 it? was such a great idea. Yeah, multiple Jeeps and auto and manual, an Eclipse manual, an MDX Acura, a GMC Yukon, and a Chevy Traverse. And he said his estimate for the trade-in of his beloved Volt is maybe $4,500. His budget on top of that is about 30000 So he's giving you, Paul, a Paul limiter of $35,000 all in. He'd prefer something under 40,000 miles if possible. He has a soft spot for the Hyundai Ionic 5. That's an all-electric SUV mm-hmm. with a crazy design. He says he has a deep, abiding love for wagons. He's not in a rush <laughs> to buy, but he'd appreciate our guidance. Tim, I I want to point something out real quick in your email. You have three paragraphs that lead you down three completely different pathways. Paragraph one three sons that are going to be outgrowing the rear seat legroom and uh, have activities that you need to help them with. Mm-hmm. So you need more back seat room and a big hatch mm-hmm. that leads you down SUV. Later on in the email, you really would like an electric, silent ride, minimal maintenance, <sighs> ability to charge. <laughs> Later on in the email, I
1: really would like a manual gearbox. We are car enthusiasts we are, and we reserve the right to be contradictory. We uh, I, I'm we just can all of us. I'm I giving agree. us all permission we, to be contradictory with ourselves.
0: It's a safe space, Tim. I'm not calling really I'm is. not calling you out as this is bad. <laughs> I'm just saying those three paragraphs led me down three completely different pathways, and I have
1: recommendations under all three. I'm gonna jump right in and say go get yourself an Acura Integra. It's a manual, it's a lift back. That's really good. He's not going to get one for thirty-five grand.
0: 40
1: well, No, 40, but but it's I'm excellent. Pushing just a touch. You
0: are pushing just a touch.
1: If you want to get back into the manual thing, mm. I didn't say Civic Si. I said Acura Integra. It's I, more luxurious. Right, okay. Drives great. Great manual. Excellent interior. Liftback. The Civic is not a liftback.
0: True. So are you going? You going? Are you going all the way to Type S? No, not? no, no. You're just saying just okay. Integra. All right, okay.
1: All right. Fun to drive. It keeps the price down. Excellent. We like it a lot. I thought about the Honda Accord Hybrid Touring, the one we just recently had and did Mm -hmm. a test drive on, monster backseat space. Yes, It's a car Mm -hmm. with monstrous, huge limousine. Doesn't matter how big your
0: boys get, they're going to be fine. They will be fine Mm -hmm. back
1: there. Then I toyed with the idea of a Hyundai Veloster N. I I like it, but I don't know if it's for you. I toyed with the idea of a Mazda 3 Turbo Hatch, wishing it were a manual and wishing it were bigger, even (laughs) though it's a cool car and fun to drive. True. But Tim. Uh Uh-oh. I'm Found trying to meld all of these into one choice. Okay. And get ready, my friend, because I'm about to sell you a new Prius. Oh, interesting. Tim, we're right in the middle of a Prius build, and we use the term build very lightly because yes, very lightly. we're adhering to our own rules, and that is the top 3 things you should investigate when upgrading your car are first, yourself, get a driver upgrade. Yes. Learn to be a better driver. The second are brakes. And the third are tires. Mm-hmm. We have put different wheels and tires on our Prius build, and without giving away anything, it certainly has transformed the car. Thank you to our friends at Vredestein for providing both the Ultrac Vorti Plus. Those mm-hmm. are the summer tires that we did a Canyon piece on that's coming out. Mm-hmm. And also a track piece. <laughs> we drove a Prius on track. And again, people look at me like you're driving a Prius on track it like was a, a really fun. Like day. a racetrack? Yes. Racetrack? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yep. Sure are. Like a helmet? You're wearing it. (laughs) Yep. Like a big track. Like the curbing. Like what race cars drive on, right? Uh That's not a race car. Like I I know. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not. (laughs) I signed the waiver. Other driver. Yeah. We're going to do it. And we did. And then Vredestein has provided now the Quatrac Pro tires. Mm -hmm. These are all weather, and that is great for high mileage, but also they are winter and snow rated. These tires have transformed the car and we've put them on different wheels and we kind of toyed with sizing because, again, there's no real recommendations for the new Prius to say, okay, what's going to fit? What So the, uh, the summer tires, we could have gone a little bit taller sidewall, but we still like the lower sidewall for track purposes. Mm-hmm. So that really worked out. And this has really changed my perception about Priuses. And again... We love our friends at Toyota. You couldn't pay me to be in a Prius. I hated Priuses. Yes. Up to this fifth generation. It's true. It's true. I hated them. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to look at them. I didn't want to talk about them. They're in the category of the old Volkswagen Beetle. Who cares? I'm, <laughs> yes, they've affected the car industry and changed it for the better. I think. <laughs> Beetle, not so much, but yes. Well, maybe. Okay. Yeah, okay. We'll just say yes. And then this Prius comes along and Toyota says, this is the sportiest Prius we've ever built. Todd and I glance at each other and think, you want to put your money where your mouth is? (laughs) Send us a Prius. And they did. And they did. Yeah. So every time we've gotten out of this Prius, Todd comes by, see him like, you know what? That's a great little car. And it's kind of like a Volt. You can choose the Prime if you want the plug-in capability and you want the electric capability. You can choose the all-wheel drive limited like the one we've got. Mm -hmm. And it's right within your budget.
0: It's right on his budget. That's a good point.
1: The reason I suggest it is because I take everybody at the light. I can take people in a Prius now.
0: Yeah, I frightened my father the other day driving into the airport in the Prius. <laughs> no, now granted, kidding. I also admit, and he would admit that the bar for frightening him in a car is low. <laughs> but there were a couple of times when I just, I put my foot in it because I needed to pass somebody and he looked at me like, this car can do that? I was like, yes, it can. I'm challenging
1: you to do your own build. And we haven't even taken it to sway bars yet. We haven't taken to brake upgrades yet. I wonder if you could get something with good mileage, not revealing our mileage yet, mm-hmm. that's all part of the pieces coming out, but... What if you got a new Prius? Now, granted, the back seat is not the biggest for your boys; it's they're not. growing, and yeah. I admit that. I don't know how tall you are, so can you shove the seat a little bit forward, and you know you can get all of them in? But then it's got the nice lift back; it's got a surprising amount of space, good gas mileage. Make a Prius build. Interesting. I dare
0: you? That's very good, Tim. I did not go that route. I have none of, none of that choice on there, but I think it's a very good choice. I love that you love your Volt. I think it's an underappreciated car. I'm gonna try to speak to your divergent needs here. <laughs> okay. Three cars? Uh, no, no, oh. no, no. I'm just saying <laughs> an which, an SUV, which Miata, track do you want to go to? Uh, okay. Which different. which which one of three, these three pathways would you like to follow? If you need an electric, possibly with some more leg room, but definitely with a hatch. Have you driven the Bolt? I mean, you like the volt. Have you driven the Bolt? Eh, the true. Bolt has it's surprisingly true. good four-person room and an okay hatch. Not a big hatch, but an okay hatch. It, it would be a people or stuff in the hatch kind of car. But it is, it is the next step. So you need to drive a Bolt. Along those lines, you need to consider the, the BMW i3. Likely too small for your boys in the back. But I do like the car if we're talking about an electric. Mm-hmm. So I like that a lot. The Ionic is cool. I do like that. I prefer the EV6. It's as a styling question. They're kind of the same car with different styling. I prefer the EV6. I drove by a Kia dealer this weekend, and they had a line of them on the lot to pick your color. <laughs> they so- come in color? I mean not, not like well ah, look at me but but more than just gray and <laughs> okay, gray good. and that kind of stuff. Anyway, so that's the, the electrics. For more utility though, without a concern for charging infrastructure, room for your boys in the back and a hatch, what you need, my friend, is a PHEV, a plug in electric vehicle SUV. That's what you need.
1: Yeah, true. And the top
0: two contenders here, I I have to go to the obvious place, is a Cayenne E-Hybrid, because I have one, and they're great, fun to drive, usable, luxurious, and fun. And then, of course, BMW makes an X5 like this, and Volvo makes an XC60 like this. True. Okay, so PHE SUVs, can be surprisingly good. And both of that Cayenne and the BMW X5, I think you'd be incredibly surprised by the handling and enjoyment of driving both of those, in spite of the fact they're big SUVs. And then I had the manual transmission, where I threw everything else out and just went, okay, you can get boys in the back. <laughs> okay. But it's manual transmission, and we've returned you to fun cars. Okay? okay. And the gas mileage won't be terrible, it'll be 30s. The Veloster N, you brought it up earlier, mm-hmm. funky mm-hmm. hat shape. But, you know, we actually got all three of us. You and me and Chance, all over six footers, and all of our gear in the back of a Veloster. Once it works, okay. <laughs> it was a short distance. It was a short it's not distance. Not like we drove to Vegas. No, that's true. Time. That's true. But there is that. So great manual transmission, very fun to drive. And then I went back just a step. Not the current, the prior gen, tenth generation Civic Type R. That's a fun dad car. Sweet. Manual transmission, Sweet. great seats, decent back seat room. It is a hatch. It's questionable styling. The question is, do you like it or not? Some people do. Some people really don't. <laughs> I love it in the blue. In spite of it being the odd, yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's, it's great weird. looking. So this 10th Gen Civic Type R, again, I went three different places because I felt like you went three different places, but this is what car people
1: do we get a free pass Absolutely, A contradictory category. We mm-hmm. can just contradict ourselves all day long, Yep, and it still makes sense somehow. It just still <laughs> meshes, merges. Tim, thank you for your email, really appreciate it. You have driving homework clearly, even though you've continued your, your driving homework. Here's some more. I love more. it, it's great. We're not gonna get time for a bunch of
0: questions, but we'll do a few. I've got two tire questions I'm gonna run through real quick. Seems like it's that time of year. Damn it, Patton is saying, when do we think he should swap out his summer tires for all-weather tires Is it once temps are consistently below 40? I'm going to flip this question around on you, damn it, Patton, and say when you are questioning how often you should have your other tires on, if you're having one of those situations where you're regularly even going, Oh, I should be careful, you should have your other tires on by now. Mm. I, I don't mm-hmm. know in your part mm. of the country when it's going to be the situation. I don't know if you're ever going to hang out below 40 all the time, but what are the, what's the temp in the morning when you get up and have to drive somewhere? How regularly is that below 40? And if that's regularly, forget I forget what it is, the hottest part of the day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It may still be 60. Who cares? I'm talking about early morning. If it's never going to get above 40 again between now and springtime in your area in the mornings, you should have those all weathers on there. Also, Gary the Cycling Nerd is tire questions with a bunch of exclamation points, so you got my attention right away. He has a rear-wheel drive 2007 LS460 Lexus. He has about 100 inches of snow per year in his city. So decent amount of snow, but not constant. He's looking at the Michelin Cross Climate 2 or the X ICE. He doesn't know if he needs full winter tires. What you need, my friend, is you need the Quattrac Pro from Fredestein. You need an all-weather tire, a tire that works in all climates and also has that triple peak snowflake actual snow rating. That is the answer, my friend. In fact, if you
1: have a car that you need a single tire year round. That's where you go is all weather. I am only going to leave this here. We've got so many great questions. Thank you guys. Let's see. This is uh, a movie question. Uh Oh, I just saw the trailer for Ferrari. Okay. Starring mm-hmm. Adam driver. Yes. Bradley J. 1983 says what car focused movie des- deserves a modern reboot. Who I have one for this. That one has given me hope. Ford versus Ferrari was excellent. It and was. That, it was that really kind of reset the whole car movie thing because usually movies about cars suck. Mm-hmm. They're just terrible. I mean, I don't have any aspirations to see Gran Turismo unless somebody recommends and says this is a great movie, but that just looks like it's going to be more. We, we have gotten emails goodness. that have said,
0: put your expectations aside. It's somewhat fun. We have gotten those emails. Okay. Anyway, maybe, yeah. maybe
1: I can, but the Ferrari, the just the trailer alone. Okay. I am impressed. Okay. I think this is going to be awesome. I'm really excited for it. But I keep coming back to Ronan, a modern reboot. Okay, all right. Ronan was so good. So hang on, modern reboot
0: has Keanu Reeves in it. That's who needs to be in the update of Ronan. Keanu Reeves plays the Robert De Niro role.
1: John Wick comes out of the sun with a rocket launcher. You better believe it. That's the name of the movie. (laughs) <laughs> it's a long title but you get it you're totally there but you're, the people who are going to watch that are going to just go pay the money and watch it
0: Bradley I have one for you here that I will stand on because it is one of those things that if you get a bunch of car people together somebody is going to wax lyrical about this movie and it's not any good Vanishing Point vanishing point is one of those movies that people like oh you want a great movie watch vanishing point now there's a lot of practical stunts in vanishing point with 60s and 70s poor cars okay and that is impressive there's a lot of stuff they actually do practical there's some good impressive road and off-road and just i can't believe you did that kind of driving okay that's cool about vanishing point terrible premise bad acting lots of drug use terrible ending poor plot I could go on. No wonder it got made. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's very much a movie of its time. The 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 running from the man, getting away from the man is a big presence in it, and the drug use that follows and all this kind of stuff. There's a really good movie hiding in the premise of Vanishing Point and it's not good. And I'd love to see a really good remake. I could think of three or four plot lines right now that would be better. But anyway, that's my that's my call. Leaving
1: it to the movie expert to come up with the best answer. That's fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. You did really well. Thank you so yes. much. And uh, back to a little bit about our podcast analytics. I'm still seeing Singapore up there. Mm, that's cool. Uh, Ireland is creeping up in the top uh, listenership categories. Germany is still way up there. UK, Australia, Canada. Thank you all for listening.
0: Yes, big time. We
1: really appreciate it. Share the podcast. Please mm-hmm. rate and review when you get a chance and send us your thoughts, your topics, comments, all We've of your car we got great Topic Tuesdays of late. They're really good and ones certainly out. your car debates. TV at gmail.com. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.